0: Hello. How are y'all? Really? Yeah. Yeah. -ah. Hey guys, I'm Luther. And I uh, had the privilege five weeks ago of starting this series with you guys called E. um, And it's all about Elijah. And it's about the fact that Elijah was a lot like us. He was just a regular guy, regular lady. Except he was a guy, but you're regular ladies. Um, And... And God did amazing things in his life. Um, And it's that fact that we figured out that he was a superhero. Remember I came out week one in my Superman outfit with the cape? If you missed that, sorry. Um, And so, but we came out that week and we talked about the fact that, that Elijah was a superhero, not because there was anything super about him, but because he knew the source of power. He knew where real superpower came from. And that was through his faith and that was in knowing God. And that was in knowing God's word. He could... He could walk up to the king and say things like, it's not gonna rain for three years. And he was able to say that because he had read a verse in Deuteronomy that said, when when my people don't follow me and when my people are evil, I'm gonna take away the rain. And so he didn't have to wonder if that was a true promise from God. Remember, he believed that if it was in God's word, he could stand on that promise and hold on to it. Uh, He believed God was real and God was big. And so over the next couple weeks, Chris spoke a couple weeks and then Jared last week. Chris took a couple of weeks and walked you through the life of some of the amazing things that, that Elijah did, that, that Elijah uh, had a season of being alone by the Careth Brook, and then, and then with the, the widow and her son, and, and raised the son from the dead, and God did all these amazing things, and, and then he killed all the prophets of Baal after lighting uh, the sacrifice in the wood that had been doused by water on fire. Fire fell from heaven because Elijah asked for it to, not because Elijah had power, but because Elijah knew the source of power. And then last week we found out that even though God had done all these amazing things in Elijah's life, that Elijah, like us, sometimes has those highs and lows. You know, the series we did before this was called The Dip. And Elijah's dip was so real that he actually fell into a depression, Um, that he had done this amazing work for God, that he had slayed 850 prophets of Baal because God showed up and showed off, and because Jezebel still wanted him killed, because a person didn't give him... The, the improvement that he wanted. He fell into a depression, and we saw how, how God got him moving again, and how God got him in the sunlight, and how God got him back out of that depression. And it, was, it took time, and it was a series of, of events, and it was a period of time. And, and that for us, a lot of us, we have walked through seasons of depression in our life. Um, and so it was neat to hear Jared last week kind of talk us through that. And today, what, what we're going to see, we're going to see two things kind of happen. We've got two big events. We, we have Elijah meeting Elisha, and for the purpose of today, we're going to be Big E and Little E, because Elijah and Elisha is really hard to say over and over and over. So, Elijah, who we've been studying, is Big E, and Elisha, who we're going to meet today, and that's going to be the new prophet of God when Elijah's gone, that's Little E. So, Big E and Little E today, and I'll kind of mix those in, but mostly I'm going to try to stay Big E, Little E, because I'm going to trip all over it in my mouth. So... um. We're, we're going to see him meet little E today, and then we're going to see the last day of his life. Elijah knew the day that was the last day on, on, his, on, the last day on earth, and we're going to get to kind of walk through that day with him and, and see what that looks like. And so as we're moving through everything today, just kind of have that in your mind. What would your last day on earth look like? What, what would be your focus? What would be important to you? Um, and we're, and we're going to see what that looks like um, for Elijah today, biggie. So, um, for most of us in here, there is somebody older than us, five or ten years older than us, um, whose life we can look at and say, man, that's a life of faith, or, man, they've got, I want to be where they are in five or ten years, and for a lot of us, we look at things like possessions, like, man, that dude has a new Corvette, and he's only five years older than me, what do I have to do to be that successful, or the guy that has that rank, or has that job, or whatever that looks like, a family, kids, I don't know why people are asking for kids, but. It happens. Um, I tell my wife all the time. I look at her and I say, "You know, people have kids on purpose Um, because we have a lot of them." But, but no. (laughs) But for most of us, we're we're seeing someone out ahead of us, and we're thinking, "Man, I want to be like that. I want that." And today, we're going to look at that kind of from a faith perspective. You know, for most of us, we're not consciously or intentionally looking at someone five or ten years ahead of us and saying, "Man, I want what they have. I want that God." I want to live dangerously. Man, if God says go, I want to go. If God says give, I want to give. If God says love, I want to love. We should be looking for those people in our lives. And and if we find that person and we see that they're standing over here, for a lot of us, we say we want to end up over there in five or ten years, and then we keep walking this way. And so we're going to talk about how through intentional discipleship and mentoring today, uh, Big E was able to help Little E. Say I want to move in that direction and then move in that direction and see God do amazing things in his life. Uh, the verse we've kind of been in all through this series, I started at week one, is James five seventeen, And basically says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. I just want to come back to this point that as we, as we look at this, we look at more of the things that God did in Elijah's life. What I want you to hear me say is Elijah didn't do Anything. Elijah stood there and said, I believe God will do big and amazing things around me, and I just want to be there when it happens. God says, take two steps forward. I want to take two steps forward because that's, I know that's where the amazing stuff is going to happen. And so, so as we think about Elijah today, I want us to remember, we're going to see some really cool things happen, but I want you to remember the cool things are not happening because Elijah had any power. They're happening because he knew the source of power. One of the uh, one of the really cool things I get to do every week is hang out at our student ministry on Wednesday nights. Woo, I know, right? And one of the cool things that happens in our student ministry is it's not all about the person that stands on spage, stage and speaks. Like, they do like 10% of the work on, on Wednesday nights. The real work happens in small groups. Like, every Wednesday night, your students have music like this, and they have speaking like this, because sometimes I speak, and Dave, and... Adam and all these cool guys and ladies and then they go into group and one of the things I was a small group leader for high school guys for a couple years and one of the things I always pointed our guys to was I want you to look five or ten years ahead of you and I want you to see a guy like Adam McNamara sitting over here or 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 Daniel Kimball or Sam that was playing guitar up here so many of the guys and ladies that invest in your students every Wednesday night and I want those students to look at their lives and say Man, I'm not where they are faith-wise. But I want to be. Like, I want to look like Adam McNamara when I'm his age. And I'd have to get a whole lot taller to do that. But, but like, I want his faith. Like, I, w- I, w- I want God to be that relevant in my life. And so we tell our students, like, if you want to get to where he is or where she is in five, ten years, you have to move in that direction. And you can't continue to make life choices that move you over here. And sometimes that means that that person you want to look like you got to snuggle in up close to them and you got to ask them, how did you get where you are? Like, like did you struggle with sin? Because I'm struggling with sin, but it doesn't look like you're struggling with sin. So, so how did that happen? And so we're going to talk to today about a couple of big words, discipleship or mentoring, they're kind of the same thing. But, but that's what happens every Wednesday night in our student ministry is we've got young men and women who have said, I 'm going to pull these kids aside, and I 'm going to be real with them. I'm going to talk about the stuff I've struggled with, and I'm going to talk about how God has shown up and been big and been real, so that you guys will know that as you walk through these things that God can walk you through it. So let's, let's find out where, where we meet Elijah and Elisha um, as, we, as we came out of last week and, and Elijah, Big E coming back out of his depression and God doing things, God tells him, I want you to go and here's the new king of Israel and here's the new king of Syria." And, here is the, the new prophet of Israel. To this point, Big E has been God's prophet of Israel, basically God's voice, like we talked about week one. That, that Elijah, Big E, was able to speak on God's behalf because he knew God's word, and he was in tune with God's spirit. And he says, I got a new guy to do that. And so instead of being threatened, instead of thinking, well, what about me? He goes to meet him. And so we read in First Kings 19, 19 to 21, so Elijah went and found Elisha. Big E found Little Lee, son of Saphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and, and Little Lee was plowing with them with the 12th team. Big E went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I'm going to stop right here for just a second. For most of us, that doesn't mean anything. Like the idea that you would walk up and put your coat on somebody else. But you got to think about the times we're living in. Your coat was everything to you. It was, it was what kept you alive at night when it was cold. It was your shelter from the sun. Kept you from burning like I'm burned. It was, it was what you slept on at night for a lot of people. And so going up and putting your coat on somebody was saying, I'm giving you my authority. I'm giving you my position. I'm giving you my everything. This was a big deal. And we're going to see this as we move through the story today. We're going to keep coming back to this idea of putting your coat on somebody. And little E left the oxen standing there, ran after Big E, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Big E replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Think about the blessing I've just poured on you. I have basically told you and the world you were God's prophet of Israel to come. So little E returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plough to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they ate it all. Then he went to Biggie as his assistant. This is a big deal. Who in here can tell me what DTR means? Come on, some of y'all text. Some of y'all know what DTR is. I got some single folks in the house. There we go. Define the relationship. That's a dating text. If you're texting and you're single, at some point you're going to bust out a DTR. What is this? What are we doing? Are we friends? Are we more than friends? Is this real? Um, And so DTR is what happens right off the bat with these two. They're both laying all their cards out. Big E has come to Little E and said, you're the next guy. You're it. It's all you. And Little E has said to Big E, man, not only am I going to follow you today, but I'm in this for the long haul. Like, like, I make my living as a farmer, I just killed my ox and burned my plow. This is what your marriage should look like, folks. When, when my wife and I talk to folks about their marriage, we talk about a circle on the ground, and we talk about that in marriage, you got to be two feet in, and that's a commitment to be miserable together forever. See? Amen. i got some married folks in the house. It's a commitment to be miserable together forever, and some days are better than that, and that's a bonus, Right? Those days that aren't miserable are good. But we're in this forever. Because if you've got one foot in, one foot out, man, where do you lean when times get hard? You lean out. See, if I still got ox and a plow at home, and this stuff Elijah's talking about gets hard, and people start talking about coming and killing you, I'm going back to farm, right? So, so, So we have defined the relationship right off the bat. I'm giving you everything I've got. If I know it, you can have it. My God is your God. Man, I'm following you, and I'm not following you today. I'm following you forever. I'm with you till the end. I want what you have. We're going to unpack this today through one of the worst superhero movies ever made. I am a big Green Lantern fan, and this movie is horrible. Yeah, it is. Don't lie. Um, It's a bad movie. But on a, on a cool thing, if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to see like the only good four minutes in the whole movie today. But if you haven't seen it, I'm going to totally spoil the ending at the end of our sermon. So you can thank me later. It'll save you from spending like the $1.29 at Redbox and realizing it's a lousy movie. You're going to see all the good parts today. But we're going to see a picture of what this relationship looks like in a couple clips from the Green Lantern. If you go on and fire that up. Oh. Okay. Of sector T. Okay, hey, hey, listen. Don't worry, it's your hospital, okay? Okay? Gary's uh, well, 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 purple blood. The ring, it chose you. Take it. Place the ring in the lantern. Place the ring. Speak the earth. What? Great honor. Responsible. I hey, hey, breathe. You just gotta breathe, okay? All you gotta do is breathe. Just, just, just breathe, okay? Hey, hey hey, no, 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 no. hey, 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 come on, man. No, 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 don't do that. Hey, no, don't, no, no, don't, don't do that. Ah, oh, oh, come on. All right, so the weird, creepy-looking alien guy is Abin Sur, and so he is uh, a Green Lantern. He is a normal guy, for whatever normal would be on his planet, um, who found the source of power, kind of like we've talked about with Elijah. The source of power is the Green Lantern and the ring, and they work together. And, and the oath, you hear him talk about the oath there, recite the oath, and we're going to see that later. This is a lot like what we saw with Elijah. Elijah found the true source of power. And he knew God's word. He knew the oath. He was able to stand on those promises, those things he had read. As a young Jewish boy, he would have memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. We talked about week one. And so he was able to stand firm on those promises and those things that God had done in those first five books of the Bible that he had memorized. They didn't have music and they didn't have Xbox and all that stuff. So they actually could memorize scripture. And so he knew the source of power and, and, and his Abensur was spending his last day alive. Just like, remember we talked about that with, with this was gonna be Elijah's last day on earth. He decided, he, his source of power said, find your replacement. Elijah, Biggie's source of power says, continue to pour into your replacement. Put your replacement in a place to be big for God to do amazing things with him. And so God did the same thing here that we're seeing. It's, it's the importance of mentoring and discipleship. We're going to unpack that. I'm going to work through a really long, it's not really long, it's 14 verses uh, of Scripture. And I, and I told Chris this morning as we were talking, one of my favorite uh, pastors is, is David Platt. And I told him, I said, if David Platt was speaking on these 14 verses, this would be anywhere between like a seven-month and maybe three-year preaching series. Um... And so I've got a lot to cover, and there's so much goodness in here, and it's already 12 o'clock, and so I'm going to stay with just the couple things I have, but just know there is so much in this passage that God can speak to you. And so if you've been following along and doing the small group study, unpack some of these thoughts. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Big E and Little E were traveling, traveling from Gilgal. And Big E said to Little E, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Little E replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. Two feet in, right? So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Little E and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Little E said, but quiet about it. Then Big E said to Little E, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Little E replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you, never leave you, two feet in, here we go again. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Little E and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Little E answered, Be quiet about it. Then Big E said to Little E, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Y'all sensing a theme here? But again, Little E replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together, two feet in the circle. We're doing life together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Big E and Little E stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Big E folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went on across uh, dry ground. I just want to stop there. Like, we're going to go to the next verse? Like, that was no big deal. you got to love the Bible. Like, God's power is so big and cool. Like, that's not even, you know, what up? Whatever. Yeah, I divided a river. It's cool. Um, And it's that coat again. Uh, We're seeing a theme here. When they came to the other side, Big E said to Little E, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Little E replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. See, in that time is when a father passed away and he had multiple sons. The first son would receive a double share of inheritance and the other sons would get what was left, uh, their shares. But the first son got a double share. And so that's what we're seeing here. Not only has little Lee said, I'm going to hang out with you. He has said, "I am placing myself under your spiritual authority. You are becoming my spiritual father." There's times in our lives that God's going to put people around you, and you're going to need to submit and step under their authority, because that's a picture of what it looks like to submit and step under God's authority. There's times we struggle with that. Um, may not be a popular thing, but you know, wives, you are to submit to your husband's authority, his spiritual authority as the spiritual leader of your home. Guys, that's not good news for you. I'm just going to be honest. That means that when you stand before God one day, God's going God's, God's to ask your wife about her walk with him. God's going to ask you about your walk with him, your wife's walk with him, your children's walk with him. As the spiritual leader of your home, that authority means you also have responsibility. And so but we're seeing a picture here of, of Elijah saying, I've stepped under your authority. You've become my spiritual father. Now I want my double dose. I want it all. I want all the faith. I want all the things you have. Big E replies, you have asked for a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha, little E, saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Little E picked up Big E's coat, or cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Little E returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Big E's coat and cried out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And then the river divided, and Elijah walked back across it. There's like three years of sermons right there, guys. And, and we're gonna talk about one little small piece of that. We, we sang a song a few minutes ago, and it says, God, to give me eyes to see the things that are unseen. Through one of the powers, one of the things that God had granted uh, through faith onto Elijah was the power to see the things that God sees. To see the world as he sees it. To see the spiritual realm working and acting around us in the physical realm. Uh, There's a scene earlier where where Elijah was surrounded uh, by people who wanted to kill him. And he wasn't worried at all when his servant came to him because he could see God's horses and chariots surrounding them already. They couldn't see it. They were feeling confident. They were like, man, we got an army against two guys. We're going to win this. But they didn't see the things that God could see. There's a spiritual realm. There's a, there's a work God is doing in and around you in the times of your life where you, where you want to be depressed like we talked about last week. And you feel overwhelmed. And there's this thing where God is working around you and through you, doing things you have no idea about. And see, that's that double blessing that Elijah's asking for. And so Elijah, literally, is seeing What's happening here? See, at this moment, little E sees as Big E sees. He sees those chariots of fire and those horses of fire take him away. And what does he do? He picks up that coat. Because as as Big E was taken away, the coat fell. The coat had no power, guys. No power in the coat. There's no power in a cross that you hold. There's no power in a crucifix wrapped around your arm or any. None of those things have power. God has power. And that was a symbol of God's power left as a gift for little E to remember all the things that he had seen Big E do. And so what does he do? He goes over right away and says, for all this time I've been hanging out, I stepped under his authority knowing that there was a promise, God, that I was going to be your prophet. And so let's go do this. So he takes that cloak and he slams it down on the water and he screams out, all right, where's the Lord God of Israel? Bam, river divides. Just like Elijah had done back in week one, if God told him it was true, it was true. And we see the same thing happening. If God said it was true, it was true. So he goes and he tests God, and God shows off. And and, and that's the beginning of a beautiful life lived out with Elisha. He becomes an amazing prophet of God, does all these things. We see him repeat so many of the miracles that happened in Big E's life. Raising someone from the dead, multiplying food, seeing the unseen. And the way that looks for you and I in our life, like if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've stepped under God's authority and said, you're my Father, then God has, this is God, and this is God's blessing and God's power and God's faithfulness. And so what God did when you had that moment was God did this. He put some blessing and some power and some faith in your cup you've got it you've got everything you need and I know a bunch of you are sitting there right, right now thinking man I've known Jesus for a year but I don't know anything like I couldn't get up and do this talk and I didn't know the first five books of the Bible were called the Pentateuch and, um, and that's cool because you don't need to know that you need to know Jesus and all that's been poured in your cup like you got a story like like you had a life before you met Jesus you have this beautiful love story of God chasing you and wanting you and catching you and then you have a life afterwards and so God's gonna put people around you who may still be running from him and running in the same way that you ran from him and God may put some people in your lives who just let God catch him or her and their life may look a lot like yours looked when that happened and so you have a story And God wants to show off with that story. And so God is gonna bring people around you. And it is not your job to fill their cup. Our big idea today is it's not your job to fill someone's cup. It's just your job to empty yours. So as God puts those people in your life, you put some of what you have in their cup. And so what does that look like? Like, I hear you saying that, and that's cool, But man, I don't know the books of the Bible, and I can't preach, and I've never taught Sunday school, and I don't even know half the words of the songs y'all are singing, and here's what this looks like. Brittany Hickey is back there running cameras for me right now, or for you, not for me. She's back there running cameras for you right now. And so if you've got a spouse deployed, or you're not here one weekend, they're streaming and watching the exact same service you are. That's creating life change in people's lives. I know couples here that watch the church service together on opposite ends of the world and do the small group study together. So as a family, they're growing in faith together, even though they're separated by thousands of miles. And see, Brittany came up to me uh, a couple months ago and said, I feel like God wants me to serve here. I'm only going to be here through maybe December or January, but that's not an excuse not to serve. And so Johnny Waters, when he's here and not deployed, handles our cameras and stuff for us. And so Johnny said, I don't have a cinematography degree. I'm no expert on this. But I'll take everything that I know and I'll give it to Brittany. It may not be everything she's ever going to know about this, but it's all I know. And so if you know Jesus, you have something to pour in someone's cup. It may not be everything they ever need. It may not be the answer to every question they have. But God calls you to pour that out. We are to disciple. At one church, we, one of our core values uh, is intentional discipleship and mentoring. And here's how we define that. We believe that every believer is responsible for passing along to others the knowledge, skills, and opportunities for service that God has entrusted to them. And, and you may hear us talk about that as, as replacing yourself. And the replacing yourself is just purely on a service aspect. Like if you're here, like... Like what happened back there is Johnny Waters replaced himself by teaching Brittany everything he knew, and so now we have two people who can do that job. Praise the Lord, hallelujah! If you want to learn how to run sound, I'll make your dreams come true because I've run sound and preached this morning. But that's not important. But but that's what this looks like. That's how, that's how it plays itself out here at one church. And one of the important words there is intentional. See, we define the relationship right out of the gate with with Elijah and Elisha, with Biggie and Lily. Remember, they define that relationship. And that's what discipleship has to look like. Because for some of you, you've seen that person maybe a couple years ahead of you in faith, and you've said, I want to be like them. And so you're watching from the periphery. You're hanging out with them a little. But if you don't sit down and have a conversation that sounds something like, man, I see where you are, and, 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 and your faith to me is beautiful. The things God has done in your life and the things God is doing in your life. I want to be there one day. When God says go, I want to go like you go. When God says give, you give. And I don't know that I can do that today, but I'd like to be there. You need to sit down and have that conversation. Because here's what happens. Like if you don't sit down and do that, that person doesn't share with you the steps it took to get there. You just see the end result. And comparing yourself to someone's end result today just makes you feel insecure. Like you need to know that they've walked through struggles and they've walked through sin. And, and, and like the things that they may have struggled with five or ten years ago, may be the things you're struggling with today. The things they're struggling with today may be the things you're struggling with today. So, so we need to come together and say, man, I, I want what you have. I, I can tell you that happened, like for my wife and I last weekend, uh, we had a couple come, they came to me, but it was for us, and wanted to know their dating and, and, and we had talked in small group about what it looks like to date as a Christian. I don't really believe in dating, so that was a complicated conversation. Um, but here's what they said. And, if, and this hasn't happened. So I'm going to use an example. Man, if you see me out in the hallway between services, and she's leaned up against me, and I'm kind of caressing and rubbing and, and whispering in her ear. You know one of those moments like at Walmart, and you're like, get a room right? What they told me that night was, man, you and your wife have permission to walk up and smack me in the face with truth. See, a lot of times we assume the people in our lives will do that. You need to give someone permission to walk up and say, man, what you're doing is, is not going to give God fame. There are teenagers walking through this church who see that, and you're telling them the wrong thing, right? But you got to give permission for someone to come in and step in your junk and talk that way to you, Right? Because that's uncomfortable. And, and what my wife and I will say if we say, yeah, we'll be in that relationship with you, is that if you call and ask us a question, we're going to be available to you. Like we're defining the relationship right out of the gate. And that's what discipleship looks like. It's messy sometimes. Like it costs you something. Sometimes you've got to burn the plow and, and you've got to kill the ox. Sometimes you've got to leave the old stuff. not your job to fill their cup your job to empty what what God has done in your life because you have a story God's done something in you we're gonna we're gonna wrap and I'm gonna spoil the end of the Green Lantern movie so I've saved you the buck 49 or whatever we're gonna watch that and then we're gonna wrap this real quick um go on and play that Destroy everything you have ever loved. The no Shall escape, my son. Your family, your home, your planet will be no more. But those who worship evil The entire human race will be wiped out because you, Hal Jordan, were afraid. They were Jordan's defeat of parallax will be remembered as long as the core exists. His actions are a reminder of why the ring chose each of us. To overcome fear and destroy evil wherever it may hide. As lanterns, we must fight with all our will. Our wills haven't always been united. It's time they were. Can I train them? Or can I train them? You're impertinent, Al Jordan. You're rash, volatile, opinionated. It seems Avin Sur found another just like himself. octopus-looking thing is Parallax. And Sur that we saw at the beginning had defeated Parallax in the past. And, and Parallax basically is what you just heard there. It's fear and evil. It's that thing that gets inside, inside us and keeps us from doing those things that God wants us to do. It's fear and evil. And we see that, that, that at the end of the movie, we see Little E defeating the same monster that Big E defeated. We see the same thing happen in the Bible. If you go and you read the story, of Elisha, you're going to see that God did so many of the same things. And as God's prophet over Israel did the same thing, returned the people and, and showed them God again. Um, and so that's just a picture of what that looks like. And I promise you that's every good scene from the movie. Um, if you can pull that next picture up, I'm going to have to go quick here. This is, this is the team that went with us in September to Ethiopia, with the exception of the three guys here in the middle. And these three guys live in Ethiopia. Um, and, and, and this is Ephraim, one of my absolute favorite guys in the world. Ephraim lives in a country where there aren't a lot of men. There's a lot of males who, who can make donations and make babies. And there's a lot of males who can hire prostitutes and beat women. But there aren't a lot of men, the way I define a man. Loves his wife. Loves his children. Works hard. And loves Jesus. I mean, praise the Spirit of God present. This man started working when he was seven years old to feed himself and his family. And has worked ever since. And God has done amazing things and shown off. And he is ridiculously generous with what God has blessed him with. He he tests the idea that you can't outgive God. And this is Abraham who, who works for Compassion International. And I met when I was there in April. And, and we were blessed enough to have Abraham take a week off work and spend the week with us. Ephraim is thirty-eight. Abraham is 28. Remember I talked about those 10-year gaps? Ephraim's 28. Ephraim loves Jesus. Ephraim has never, ever in his life seen what it looks like to be a man. Never had that presented in his life. His dad was gone before he was born. His mom hated him because he reminded, him of, reminded her of the dad that wasn't there. Or the donor. I even hate to use the word dad. He's working to complete his master's degree in counseling because he wants to help children who've walked through what he walks through. Already has a degree in teaching, could have just kept his life, could have stayed a teacher, but he's gone back to school because God's called him to something bigger and better. And this is Thomas Ginn. And if I, if I unpack Thomas Ginn's story today, we don't have enough Kleenex in the building. One of the unintentional things that happened while we were there was we created a discipleship relationship because these three guys spent time together. And because this guy recognized that that's where he wants to be in 10 years. And this guy recognized that he was there and he was there 10 and 20 years ago. And this guy knows he just needs to see something that looks good. Like he knows Jesus and he needs to see, he needs to know how to get somewhere other than where he is. And he's going off to college this month And and, and we know God's going to do big things, but we've created a relationship between those three that will last. I got a a Facebook message from Abraham telling me about where he's going to school and what he's going to be doing. And so that is a beautiful picture of what needs to happen in your life. Some of you need to be the discipler. Some of you need to do both. And some of you need to be discipled. And so my challenge to you this week Is that you don't just stay spiritually constipated. Full of all the good things God has given you. Look at me. God loves me so much. I got saved. I got Jesus. I got a family. My life is good. You just sit there constipated. Never letting any of it out. Never doing anything that shows off the fame of God. Right? And A bunch of us live there because I got mine, my prayer this week. And I'll be honest, I'm going to pray that some of you don't sleep, because that's when God does his best work sometimes. I'm going to pray that God keeps some of you up at night, and you figure out a way for God to put those people in your life, either that discipler or that person to be discipled. For some of you, you just come here on Sunday mornings, and you wonder why God doesn't do more in your life. I sit in that row. I give God my hour, hour and a half this morning, sorry. But you wonder why. Like you keep doing the same thing and can't figure out why nothing's changing. You're walking towards New York when you want to go to Houston. I don't know why I'd ever end up in Houston. You know, I mean, but for like some of you, the way this plays out like practically, you want to know how to put some people in your life. Like if the only people in your life, there's no one that looks more like Jesus than you, you need a different group of people. Right? There's a couple ways you can do that here at One Church. And we talk about it a lot, and I'm sick of talking about them. You can serve. Like we got guys that were out here this morning at 6.30 setting stuff up, and when they were done, they went over and sat on the bleachers and and unpacked each other's lives and, and talked about Jesus and did discipleship. You can come serve, and you can meet people who may look more like Jesus than you. You can get in a group like, I'm so sick of saying this. I just am. I've been here six years. whole time one church has been here, and we've been talking about, if you'll move past this and get into a group, life change can happen. Like, if you need people in your life that look like Jesus, go be with people who look like Jesus. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but stop doing the same things and expecting different results. Get around people who look like Jesus. And see if maybe you meet one that may be willing to disciple you. Last year at Catalyst, David, uh, Francis Chan said, you got a room full of pastors, like 15,000 of us. And he's preaching and we're all like, yeah, talking about discipleship. And then he says, how dare you disciple somebody if you don't want to look like Jesus. So I'm not telling you to go find somebody who has the rank you want. And I'm not telling you to find somebody that has the financial status you want. You're to be seeking out people who look like Jesus. They love recklessly. They give with abandon without abandon. I mean, they just they look like Jesus. They serve. Go find those people. For some of you, go be those people. Seriously. I'm not trying to be funny. Like God didn't save you, God didn't chase you to save you. For you to just be spiritually constipated and say, look what I got. He wants to change the world with you. How cool is that? If you go and you read the story of a big E and little E, there is not a thing that they did that God wouldn't do in you if you said yes. Separated rivers with a coat. Saw chariots of fire. God can do all that through you and with you. You just gotta say yes. My prayer over you this week is that God wrecks you, God puts those people in your life, and you're never, ever the same. Dear God, I love you, and God, like Elijah, I believe you are big, and I believe you are real. And God, I know that for everyone in this room, you want to show off, you want them to live a life that can only be defined as God had to do that because they couldn't. We can all be the superhero that Elijah was, not because we're super but God, because we know the source of power. So God, I pray that you stir your spirit within us to chase after that power. That God, you put people in our lives to help us get there. And God, for some of us, you put people in our lives so we can pull them to where we are. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for how you showed up this morning. I thank you for your presence and I thank you for your word. In your name we pray, amen.